Taylor. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. It's Hello. October. Yay. Well, it will be when you guys listen. Yeah, it's not yet, but soon. <laughs> no. Pretty pretty soon. Uh, which means it's almost Halloween. Yay. I'm hurt by your lack of enthusiasm. Look, I lo- it's it's cool. I like pumpkins. <laughs> I like candy. Mm. If you've been with us since last October, firstly, congratulations. Well done. What are you still doing here? <laughs> Y'all probably deserve a medal. Yeah. But secondly, uh, you will know that in lieu of medals for sticking with us for all these months, in October we give you guys a bunch of spooky bonus episodes to celebrate the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> Because Christmas is trash. I like Christmas. That's I rude. I know, but I wrote this script, so... But that that part wasn't in the script. You just ad-libbed that, and I, I take offense. I have not. Yeah. Celebrate the most wonderful time of the year. I know, but you didn't write Christmas is trash in there. You just came up with that off the top of your head right now. I'm a liability. You should have worked that out by now. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's why I have the, the god editing that, finger. <laughs> yeah. That's why Taylor is in control of what, of what ultimately <laughs> makes it to your ear holes. Sometimes it's just how it should be. <laughs> If you would like a sneak preview of what we've got coming up for you this month, uh, subscribe to our newsletter through our website, or there is a link in the episode description, I think. Yeah, there's always a link in the show notes. It's something like, get our newsletter, exclamation point. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, subscribe to that because October's newsletter comes out this Friday, October 8th, if you're listening on day of release if you're listening later meh there's another one in november yeah i mean basically it's a monthly newsletter so it'll it'll be around and it's free so that's cool and um we don't know how to mine people's data so no you're you're good you're safe (laughs) so yeah sign up or don't i'll have some fun things hitting your inbox on friday yeah hopefully little little uh, preview of what's to come because there there's a lot to come. We've already here's a fun fact. We've already recorded some of it like 2 weeks ago. Yeah. In the middle of September, so So yeah. It's in the you works. Get, I think you get nearly 2 weeks of just solid episodes every day. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to have time to edit all of them, but it'll happen. I don't know. <laughs> I've done my bit. I have not. I have not written all the scripts, but you know, it'll happen. Oh, oh. Come Halloween, you will have so much content. Uh, but back to today, and we're kicking off uh, this month with the story of the forty-nine-year-old unsolved mystery of Jeanette De Palma. So, over to Taylor. Hi. Welcome to my corner. So sorry, everyone. I'm so tired. (laughs) So, Jeanette De Palma was born in Jersey City in August 1956 and grew up in the nearby Springfield Township. She was one of eight children with three brothers and four sisters, born to Italian-Americans Salvatore and Florence De Palma. According to an article on Medium.com, the De Palma family were devout Christians who regularly attended church, and as a teenager, Jeanette was well-known and well-liked in the community. And other than this, we don't know a lot about her childhood uh, and upbringing, but as far as we can tell, there wasn't anything really unusual or out of the ordinary. Uh, That was until August 7th, 1972 just four days after Jeanette's 16th birthday. When Jeanette left her family home, she told her mother that she was taking the train to visit a friend before going to work that afternoon. 
When Jeanette did not return home that night, her parents contacted her friend and place of work and found that she hadn't reached either destination. And they filed a missing persons report the next morning. So we can't find in any of the sources we used any information about the missing persons investigation. <laughs> We're presuming there was one. Yeah. I mean, after all, this is a middle class township. It's like 20 miles from New York City. The Palmas were well respected, church going. It's unlikely that Jeanette would have been dismissed as a teenage runaway as easily as most missing teenage girls were in the 1970s. Yeah. Like, anyone disappeared, oh, run away. No, 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 they've gone to join the circus. Whoa. What do you mean that's totally out of No, no, they've gone. They've gone. They They're can't not all back. have joined the circus. Then you'd be able to find them all. Yeah. I mean, circuses stick out. Mm. They're in a, you know, they take place in a big top. There's, it's a, literally like a red and white tent. It's huge. <laughs> but yeah. So we are assuming there was some kind of investigation. But we don't know anything. Limited details. Whatever investigation or searches were conducted by local law enforcement, no progress was made for six weeks until on September 19th, a dog walker, because it's always the dog walkers, or dog walkers. discovered uh, Jeanette's skeletal remains at a local rock quarry. An investigation into Jeanette's death was opened, but an autopsy failed to determine a cause of death, although strangulation was suspected by the coroner, due in part to the fact that her clothing and bones showed no signs of like bullet wounds, knife wounds, nor did she have any bone fractures. So, yeah. strangulation was was theorised, but there's normally neck damage. Um, it depends. In strangulation, isn't there? It depends. There's like soft tissue damage, and if she was young enough her hyoid bone might not have been fully fused. So that's the, uh, the throat, hmm. throat bone. Hmm. And in uh, children and like teenagers, it's not fully developed. So it's kind of like squishy. So it might not be broken. Oh, I, I never thought that. So I always forget that like you, your body well, and your brain don't develop until you're well into your 20s. Yeah. Like your, your growth plates and everything don't fuse until you're it's in like, your early 20s, I it's believe. It's like 25, I think, is oh, generally the, the like, mm. you're you're done majorly forming age. Yeah. I, yeah, until you said that, I, I've completely forgotten I'm like, that it's into your 20s. Yeah. So I was thinking... 16. She's 16. You know, most people are done growing by that point. I sure was. <laughs> I mean, or most people I know <laughs> had like a. We all had a growth spurt at like twelve, and that was it. I uh, mine came at ten, and then it stopped. <laughs> <laughs> I was the tallest kid in my class until Actually, I wasn't. <laughs> I when I was like eight, I was taller than most of like even most of the boys in my class. Yeah. Oh yeah. Same. I was super tall, and then. Had another bit of a growth spurt when I was about 12, and then that was it. And now I'm just average. I'm literally like five foot seven. Yeah. I mean, I. Well, I was super tall when I was a kid. Just uh, haven't grown much since. I, I literally, like, I passed five feet at like nine years old. <laughs> and so that made me taller than my mother. And, and yeah, I was like the tallest kid in my class for a little while. And then. By fifth grade, so like 11 years old, I was done. Just stopped growing <laughs> completely. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Uh, but yes. So yeah. So yeah. It disregard everything I had to say. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I. The only thing I might think, rock quarry drowning. It is possible. Um, I don't know much about this quarry. I think it's now disused. Yeah. Uh, so 
it probably is flooded now. I don't know what it was like in the um, 70s. Yeah. Just because, like, I feel like that's always... I don't know if that's just, like, a thing that you get warned about, but, like, quarries are very dangerous and you can don't. drown in them and don't, you know, all this shit. See, like, there's no quarries near us. Um, what we were always warned about is, like, old mine heads. Yeah. Because there's shit tons of old iron mines around where... Like, there's not... Like, when we were kids, none of us were, were like, accidentally wandering off into one. There's none <laughs> that close. Yeah. But they're not far away. Yeah. Yeah, it's and the same kind of idea. Yeah. It was always like, well, the ceiling could collapse or you could drown. Yeah. Or both. Yeah. Um, um But I don't feel like we were ever warned about, about quarries. I it's I there's a lot of them in the northeast. Like mm. I mean well, New Hampshire is the the granite the state. Granite state. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of like there's a lot of quarries in Vermont, like where they do Vermont marble and uh mm. stuff like that. So I don't know, I've kind of grown up grown up around them, passing them on the road, but never Never brave enough to go in them. <laughs> no, they're not places you want to go. Not usually, no. especially if they're if they're active. Because you, all right, yeah, you might drown. You might also get run over by a massive, like seven and a half tonner. Oh yeah, might get blown up. All kinds of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, stay away from but, quarries, children. But you know, you might find a nice swimming hole. Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? I mean, it's not like you couldn't find plenty of the rest of those in the woods in the Northeast, but it's fine. Anyway, uh, the first officer on the scene, Donald Schwett, allegedly claimed that there was nothing suspicious about the crime scene and believed that Jeanette had died after accidentally overdosing on illicit drugs and that her friends had left her there instead of trying to get help. But there were no signs of drugs or drug paraphernalia at the scene, nor did anyone know of Jeanette ever taking drugs. And it didn't fit with the known facts of Jeanette's lifestyle as a devout Christian who planned to go to Bible college after graduating from high school. So not only this, but witnesses outside of law enforcement who saw Jeanette's remains before they were removed claimed the scene was very different to the account given by Donald Schwett. Other witnesses claim that the scene suggested there had been some kind of occult activity. For starters, Jeanette's body was found on top of a rock known locally as the Devil's Teeth. Never a good sign. No. No. Uh, and while accounts vary, the most agreed upon version is that there were fallen branches placed around Jeanette's body in the shape of a coffin, along with small wooden crosses placed within the coffin shape. Other accounts claim that Jeanette's body was found laid on a pentagram, and some even go so far as to claim that there were mutilated animals found near the body, but it's unclear uh, when these ver versions originated and whether or not they've been exaggerated. Yeah, it's kind of heavily suggested that, you know, the, the mutilated animals and pentagram kind of came up with later yeah sort of embellishments yeah that's the word embellishment yeah uh after these reports linking Jeanette's death to the occult became public local law enforcement denied all the claims and pursued a different line of inquiry uh, law enforcement had been tipped off that a local homeless man known only as red may have had something to do with Jeanette's death his camp was quite close to the quarry, and he had allegedly fled his camp shortly after Jeanette went missing. But ultimately, Red was ruled out as a suspect by the local prosecutor's office. While uh, whilst Jeanette's death was a good eight years before yeah. the satanic panic really started to get going in the 1980s, uh, reports in the local news about links between Jeanette's death and the occult led to widespread panic in Union County, who, according to Wiki, or Wikipedia, because I couldn't find a primary source, they were still recovering from the shocking list family murders the previous oh, winter. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, when I was doing the research for this, I was thinking, that sounds familiar, like Springfield, Union County, and I couldn't re 
remember yeah. it was when I read the Wikipedia page I was like oh yeah it's the same place so that apparently had like a pro- like profound kind of effect on the local area and it was only 10 months before Jeanette's murder uh could definitely no, see that, that 10 months before her body was found sorry yeah um yeah and we did cover the list family murders in episode 31 which was last September I thought it was this year that we did the lists it's all it's all this year <laughs> I was looking through our program this year, yeah. like, where the hell's the lists? And I thought, no, it wasn't last year, was it? It was September. I, like, oh my god, creepy fucking gremlin at my window. <laughs> I can't see, I can see a light's just come on. Come here. I want to see this wasp sting. Let's see. That's not too bad, thankfully. My wife was stung in the face by a wasp today, so. <laughs> and she's just got home. And she's just gotten <laughs> home, so I had to inspect the wound. Um, yeah, so, yeah, if you're interested in a horrific family murder in the same area, episode 31 yes, from last year. But also, fascinating case for, that. like, forensic history reasons. Yeah, I think it's probably one of my favorite I, that we've done. I loved that just episode because of of the forensics. Yeah, it was so interesting. No, it's it's fucking fascinating. Yeah, definitely. And it also, like, I don't know, that case has always stuck with me. It's like mm. once you hear about it, it just stays. It just lives in the corners of your mind. Yeah. So um, if you want to be haunted. Check that out for spooky Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Uh, newspapers went as far as to claim that Jeanette was sacrificed either by a local coven of witches or a group of Satanists. Sure. Who lived uh, on the nearby Watchtung Reservation. So it's either a coven or a group of Satanists. So were they both living? Like in the area, or was it just like, oh, there might be witches, or there might be satanists? Uh, you know, it's hard to say. Mm. Uh, but again, there was no evidence found to support either of these like sensationalist headlines. I wrote a note saying I have thoughts, but so I did have thoughts. Um, so the Watchtung Reservation, from what I can find, isn't actually lived on anymore. Mm. It's actually a nature reserve. Mm-hmm. It was once inhabited by one of the local tribes. Mm-hmm. Then it was colonized because yeah. white people. And yet, as far as I can find, it's now deserted. Because at first, when I first read that, I was like, that's max of racism. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like, oh, on this reservation, there's a group of Satanists or a group of witches. We don't know which, but we know that they live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little suspicious. Um, so, yeah. And then I, I did a bit more reading. and I might be wrong, but I think it's now just a nature reserve. Mm-hmm. It's not inhabited. Or it's not like tribal land anymore. Mm-hmm. I think. I might be wrong. But it's still... When I first read it, I was like, that's that seems very racist. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just very non-specific. She's like some yeah. witches, some Satanists. That's it. Like you say, it's just very convenient. Like, yeah. oh, on this land that has always been associated with the other, yeah, as in uh, indigenous peoples. There's now a group of witches and a group of Satanists. Yeah, it's not. It's not the middle class township. Yeah. No, and like. And even if it's not, you know, still tribal land or it wasn't at this, like, wasn't inhabited at this time, like, it's always tribal land. It's just not, no longer mm-hmm. under the control of tribes, potentially. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Even. I put, my terminology was wrong. I apologize. No, no. Like, I caught myself there. It's like, I've been listening to this great podcast about um, American Indian, like, land ownership called this Mm -hmm. land if anyone is interested in learning more about 
that sort of thing. Um, but it's still like kind of terrible because it's like what they're calling a local coven of witches or group of Satanists who lived in this potentially nature reserve sounds to me more like a group of homeless people down on their luck. Yeah. And we're blaming them for a horrific crime. I have subscribed. It's good. The first season's about a Supreme Court case. Second season's about uh, adoption and like mm. court case. It's very interesting. But yeah, so that's something I didn't know that, like, even though no one lives on it, it's still technically tribal land. Yeah. So. I mean, technically, it's all tribal land. Well, that's land. the thing. Like, you see more and more now people saying, like, oh, I, you know, we recognize that this piece of art, you know, you know, entertainment was filmed on, uh, you know, Cherokee land or mash and tuck it land or some you know something like that which i think is an, a good step towards recognizing yeah all of the issues <laughs> there's a good website that you can use i can't f quite remember i think it's called like whose land am i on or something uh, which covers like north america and it'll tell you like which tribal nations or like first nations have have inhabited the land um so if you're interested check that out maybe we'll put that in the show notes okay back to the script um <laughs> in 1973 the fbi became involved in the investigation they took jeanette's clothing to examine and uh now remember this is still a decade before dna testing was a thing but they could do blood typing and hair examination although funnily enough hair matching now is basically considered junk science funny how these there's like trend it's like fashion trends and forensics <laughs> basically mm. where it's like like blood splatter mm -hmm. or, is it splatter or spatter i think it's both yeah but like blood splatter analysis at one time was you know considered a genuine kind of science it wasn't obviously like formulaic yes but it was like you could very do heavily relied upon yeah and now it's kind of like well mm, it's no. a bit last resort yeah um yeah so no foreign hairs were found but stains were found on Jeanette's shirt and pants slash trousers depending on what part of the world you're from uh and her underwear sadly the samples were so degraded that the fbi were unable to determine if they were blood semen or something else uh however according to the article we mentioned before on medium.com the fbi did conclude that drugs and or poisons were not involved in Jeanette's death at all with no concrete evidence pointing in any direction, Jeanette's case went cold. Her family, friends, and advocates have campaigned and tried to get the case reopened many, many times over the years, but have repeatedly come up against a brick wall. One of the problems with getting Jeanette's case reopened is that it was classified as a suspicious death and not a homicide. And this is because at autopsy, the coroner couldn't determine Jeanette's cause of death mm. although strangulation was suspected as previously discussed drowning is also an option possibly which you know if you grew up with the stories of the quarry and its dangers you immediately think of but I didn't so I didn't there's a song there stories of the quarries <laughs> and so without a cause of death sorry while I talk you can come up with your little song uh, so without a cause of death it can't be ruled a homicide yeah which, which does make sense yeah it's just frustrating but that isn't the only problem that they've all come up, come up against in the years since Jeanette's case went cold uh, there are numerous reports that law enforcement have either lost or disposed of the case files again this is according to the medium article on the case uh, what this article claims is that reporters and private investigators 
have tried over the years to gain access to the case file, or files, and have been met with a variety of conflicting uh. responses as to what happened to the files. Uh, some were told that the case was active again, and that that was why they couldn't view the files, which is fairly standard. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, they can't reinvestigate the case because it's not technically a crime. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, whilst uh, others were told that the files had disappeared during a hurricane. And an anonymous investigator who was part of the homicide unit allegedly claimed that the case files disappeared and have been quote-unquote missing since 1984, which predates the hurricane. I think the hurricane was 96 or 98. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Hmm. Don't quite add up unless they're losing it, like, sheet by sheet. Yeah, yeah, just like one... (laughs) One page at a time. Oh, God. Um, In the late 1990s and early 2000s, New Jersey Magazine N.J. Weird, editor and co-founder Mark Moran, began investigating Jeanette's death after receiving letters about the case. Uh, N.J. Weird began as a zine uh, slash newsletter about weird places to visit in New Jersey, founded by Moran and his friend Mark Skirman. It's now a magazine website covering all kinds of offbeat and weird things in the state, as well as folklore, history, and quote-unquote weird news. Uh, After publishing an article about Jeanette, NJ Weird received many anonymous letters offering more information on the case, and Moran continued his investigation. This investigation would result in a book written by Moran and journalist Jesse P. Pollock entitled Death of... Death on the Devil's Teeth, The Strange Murder That Shocked Suburban New Jersey, which was published in 2015. We have not read the book, but we know that it alludes to a potential cover-up by law enforcement, as well as links to other unsolved murders, and that many people were reluctant to help or to be identified. Uh, The book was seen as controversial, and they've continued to investigate the case even after the book was published. And earlier this year, after two years of using uh, FOI, Freedom of Information Act request, to try and find out what case files the police still have, the Union County Prosecutor's Office released the Jeanette De Palma case file, which had been previously described as missing and lost by law enforcement. That's interesting. Isn't it just? The hur- did, did the hurricane just give it back? Spat it back out. It's like, here... I, I, I tumbled dried this for you. You can have mm. it back. Uh, along with NJ Weird reviving interest in the case, uh, private investigator Edward Salzano also began investigating the case. We're not sure exactly when Salzano got involved. Uh, we couldn't find a, like, a year or time period in any of our sources. But uh, Edward Salzano was employed by Jeanette's nephew, John, who was reportedly on his deathbed and wanted answers about what happened to his aunt before he died. Sadly, John died before he was able to get the answers that he wanted. Uh, Salzano is reported to have claimed that he believes there are people within Union County who know what happened to Jeanette but are afraid to come forward. Which kind of fits with what NJ Weird have said. Yeah. That there's a lot of people know what happened, but... They don't want to be identified. Yeah, they've got, like, anonymous letters, unsigned, no return address, things like that. Uh So there's something going on. Yeah. He has also filed lawsuits with the local prosecutor's office to try and force them to reopen the case and retest Jeanette's clothing. However, because he's not a relative of Jeanette's or in a relationship uh, with anyone uh, who was related to Jeanette. Mm-hmm. The judge ruled against him, claiming he has no personal stake in the case and dismissed the suit. So Jeanette's nephew has died and it sounds like Salzano is still investigating kind of on his own yeah. time, yeah. almost. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Salzano is still involved in the case and advocating for Jeanette because he believes that he is one of the only ones left standing up for her. 
An organization called Justice for Jeanette is also dedicated to keeping Jeanette's memory alive, and they are running a petition to get the status of Jeanette's case changed from suspicious death to homicide. They also hope that modern DNA testing techniques will be able to provide a DNA profile and therefore answers about what happened to Jeanette De Palma. Uh, and that is the story of the mysterious death of Jeanette De Palma. Mm. Quite a short one this week. Yeah. Um, it's just sad. Yeah. There's just there's no answers. And like even her nephew has now died, so how many... Like relatives or even like friends are still alive. Yeah. Well, so she was born in fifty six. She's the same age or slightly younger than than our parents. Yeah. So my mother was born in fifty two. So she's she would have been four years younger than that. Yeah. My my mum was born in fifty eight. Yeah. So. Um. Like. But. Yeah, it just it really sounds like, you know, things just got covered up. And and whether yeah. f- for for it could have happened for any number of reasons, like just yeah. initial incompetence in the investigation and we need to cover this up, covering up for someone in particular like they didn't find answers, so they just wanted to forget about the whole thing. But, like, yeah, it definitely sounds like people know stuff, mm. but, yeah, you know, it's not ready to come out yet. What well, time's running out. She'd be... Well, how old would she be? She'd be... 64? 65. No. 65. Yeah, 65. And she was six, so she was 16 when this happened. You know, another five, ten years, how many people are going to be around? How many people are around now? Yeah. It's 49 years since this happened. It's a long time. Yeah. And, I mean, obviously, we've covered really old unsolved cases. And, Mm -hmm. you know, 200 years out, 100 years out. 80 years out, you know, we say it's probably too late to ever know what really happened. And unfortunately, in this case, I think that's potentially the same thing. Or you're like, you're right on the cusp of that. I think it's too late for a prosecution, probably. Oh, certainly, yes. Yeah. Unless it was someone, like, same age as her who did it. Yeah. And, but then where's the evidence? Yeah. Well, and that's the other tricky thing. It's like, they don't know what happened. Like, they don't know if it was a murder. It could have been an accident. Mm-hmm. It could have been, like, and that, yeah. it, like, there's there's just a lack of information. Yeah. Like, from the beginning. And, yeah. And, like, like I had never thought of the, the drowning thing, but, like you say, it could have been an accident. She could have accidentally drowned, yeah. and whoever was with her like arranged it to look like you know some kind of sac- you know, sacrificial yeah thing like she could have i mean they're in a quarry she could have fallen and hit her head on some fucking mm. rock <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the thing that the thing is made of and although there's no evidence of like abrasions or fractures or anything yeah but still still possible it's just uh, yeah it's but yeah the well and then there's the the question of like whose account of the crime scene is correct was it not suspicious at all was it just nothing or was it you know weird branches in a coffin shape and crosses or you know even even stranger than that like so yeah, I have no idea but I don't think it was a coven of witches and or satanists no I don't either and I mean we talked about this I think when we did the son of Sam mm-hmm. you know the potential cult link there yeah. no murder 
in the United States has ever been conclusively linked to Satanism. Nope. Despite the satanic panic, which, to be fair, has never really ended. <laughs> no. But it's, it's nothing's ever been conclusively proven. No, there's no there there. Like, it's just, it's a, it's become this, like, tool that conservative politicians like to lean on saying this is proof that our country's going to hell in like in pick your decade right but yeah. it's just in, not a thing i mean generally the night like nine, early 1980s is is the agreed upon time for the That's, satanic panic to begin yeah. but it's been going on for much longer because the satanic panic wasn't a thing here mm. we didn't grow up with the same kind of stories or there wasn't the same kind of coverage there's always been you know suspicion of yeah. satanism like there is everywhere and every time there's a big like cultural shift like there was in the 80s oh, yeah. with, like um like consumerism and things like that and big money and upward mobility and all that bullshit yeah like, every time there's a big cultural change, there is always this, like, fear-mongering. Oh, yeah. But I'm trying to think what... The only other story I... Or case I can think of that was kind of linked to the Satanic Panic was the one took place in the same town that Lizzie Borden was from. Oh, yeah, the Fall River... Yeah, Fall River Massacre or something. Yes, yeah. And in that case, again... It was all about Satanism and everything. It was people who were on the fringes of society. It was sex workers. It was uh, people with mental health problems. It was just young people who didn't have a just didn't feel they fit yeah. anywhere in society. Yeah. And it was nothing to do with Satanism. It was people who needed professional help. Yeah. I mean. Even if you think about the like the son of Sam cult theory, mm -hmm. it just sounds like a bunch of young people, you know, smoking weed in in uh, in the park at night, you know, mm -hmm. not you know, and doing stupid shit that young people do, like drawing symbols on walls and stuff. Oh yeah, like. When I was a teenager, like me and my friends had like pentagrams drawn on all all sorts, yeah. and like it's just all kinds of stuff. Or like one thing that everyone used to do is you draw a little house and you write six six five. I live next, as in like I live next door to the devil. <laughs> that was a silly thing we all seem to have drawn on our like notebooks. Oh God. Um. But yeah, like we did tons of shit like, like that. Every teenager does stupid stuff like that. Uh, I have never, you know, thought, oh, I, you know what, I think I'm going to sacrifice my classmate on an altar. Yeah, like, I'm going to, you know, strew, strewn, what's the current tense of? Strewn? I'm going to sprinkle some animal bones around a corpse today, like, it's scatter. Scatter, that's it, not strew. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? Um... But yeah, like, it's it's that, like, inherent teenage rebellion thing, or or it's this instance of, like, people on the edges of society, they're scary, they're other, they make you think things about yourself that you don't want to think about, so mm. they're the devil's, you know, playthings, yeah. basically. So, Yeah. It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also, like, children were being exposed to so much more popular culture and so much mm -hmm. different, like, cultural, like, touchstones than previous generations had been. Yeah, it's like we were the last generation to grow up without, I was going to say without the internet. We obviously had the internet from a young age, but we didn't grow up with it in the same way that kids today do. No all these different like say uh cultural touchstones and things like that if you think about the 80s like late 70s to late 80s like 
that's the height of horror films right there. Yeah. Like, and so what are kids talking about? Like, brutal murders, because they saw it in the cinema last week. What is that? What does that do to parents? It scares them. Like, but and like one of the like rights. Well, when I was like a teenager, one of the rites of passage was being able to sneak into like an eighteen rated movie when you were sixteen. Yeah. Or R rated for. I think I- R is seventeen. Oh. The only thing you can do at seventeen years old, specifically, I feel. <laughs> but yeah so sneaking into like and well i say sneaking in buying a ticket for being able to pass for 18 yes yeah yeah you know like that was like a almost like a rite of passage so of course kids are going to talk about horror films yeah you know the parents who've grown up with leave it to beaver and happy days and the andy griffith show and like three tv channels or Mm. less like it's a big difference you've got in america you've got cable television coming in you've got you know like all of these different movies and and then you've got this whole like economic shifts and yeah like so much was going on but Mm. but also this crime or incident death probably Mm. a crime but it's 1972 right yeah so it's like it's actually long before way before the satanic panic like proper proper satanic panic and like obviously the 70s again a time of major upheaval um Nam. that's the only thing Vietnam, i can think of you had economic crises in america um was there an oil crisis in the 70s yes, yeah yeah um yeah and like there was a lot of sort of social change like um roe v wade was in the 70s fuck yeah um yeah like kind of well we've talked about some of the more like a radical stuff like patty hearst case is 70s Mm. and so i don't know it was a fraught time yeah all around but i i think god i was gonna say i think with when with hindsight Every decade is really fraught. It is. In a different yeah. way. You know, I mean, so here, the 70s and 80s, I believe, were the height of the troubles in Northern Ireland. Yeah. You know, you had, like, my parents always talk about power cuts in the 70s, mm-hmm. which is why their generation don't want, uh, like, the energy companies renationalized yeah. because. They were national, like they were still nationalized in the seventies, and the the power was going off every like two or three days mm-hmm. because there wasn't enough power in the grid and things like that. But yeah, so every every generation has this. We obviously had nine eleven, seven seven, the war in Iraq, Afghanistan, yeah. Syria less of formative years but that was kind of the edge of our sort of childhood into teens and early 20s yeah. um and this this current the global recession uh, yeah, the, the fucking recession i read a stat the other day that like unemployment or like job vacancies were at their highest since or like available positions rather highest since like 2008 or something and and similarly unemployment was at one of its lowest rates i'm like so we're just now <laughs> coming out mm. of that is what you're telling me yeah <laughs> yeah and i think i personally i don't think the older generations appreciate how difficult it is no 
if you didn't manage to get straight into a graduate job at 21 when you graduated like in 2012 or 2013 whatever you were fucked yeah and also like what people forget so obviously the baby boomers massive massive generation in terms of numbers we are echo boomers we are like our year who was born in like 1991 is the largest year of humans since the baby boomers there's a shit ton of us (laughs) and so we were (laughs) all entering the marketplace at the same time (laughs) right after a global recession like so i don't know how we got here basically (laughs) all to say this was not satanism 99 percent sure it is Mm. very unfortunate that this has gone at the very least unexplained for 49 years yes and possibly unsolved for 49 years yeah um but i don't know and i i was just gonna say i think when the problem is as well when you start ascribing things like satanism and coven of witches and all this to murders they get lost yeah. because they become part of this widest picture yeah. and it's like nobody cares about this 16 year old girl who was killed in a small town in new jersey when there's a whole big underground cabal of yeah it's a conspiracy devil worship yeah yeah and that's not the point you know yeah or it shouldn't be and they say satanism the satanic panic was bullshit. Yeah. It wasn't linked to any child or teenage deaths or sacrifices or anything like that. So lumping all these murders together into a... I was going to say phenomenon, but that sound that feels like the wrong word. Mm. Um, like a cultural moment that didn't actually exist mm-hmm. is just like, well... We can't be bothered to solve them. Yeah, it's a disservice to these yeah. these victims who, uh, you know, we we said this in a episode recently, but like their stories deserve to be told. I mean, and I'm not sure that we've done any much more justice than than anyone else, but like, and and what right do we have yeah. anyway <laughs> to any of this? Yeah, you know, but but yeah. All these stories do deserve to be told. Yeah. And I mean, hopefully, uh, as as time ticks on here, someone will come forward or some information Mm -hmm. will be released or found or revealed. And and, you know, Jeanette De Palma's Mm -hmm. relatives or friends or the people in the community will have some answers. Let us know what you think if you've heard of this case before, because before we put it on the schedule, we hadn't heard of it before. How did you? Because you, I hadn't heard of it. I, it was in a list of like mysterious, like strange, mysterious true crime cases or something. Her her name popped up a couple times, and I was like, "Oh, interesting! I want to know a little bit more about that." But yeah, I had not heard of this case before. So, see, I feel like I've heard the name, but then when I started researching, I was like, "I don't actually know this story." <laughs> yeah. So, so maybe it's one of those. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you've heard of it, let us know. And if you like the show, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast app of choice especially if your choice is Apple Podcasts, uh, and do subscribe to us so you never miss a new episode. Uh, If you'd like to get some merch of the Square Mile variety, we do have a selection of of awesome products with cool designs, and you can wear and own and treasure and covet those, uh, and you can purchase them uh, at the link in our show notes or on our website. Uh, and also, hey, don't forget, like we said before, 
You can sign up for our newsletter if you want a, a super secret sneak peek uh, about what's coming up next month. And again, those links will be in the show notes and you can find them on our website too. Yeah. And if you'd like to go a little bit further and help us cover the costs of making the podcast and help us invest in the future of the show, you can join our Patreon page. Uh, tiers start from just £1 per month. Every patron gets regular episodes a day early, a shout out on the show, priority case requests, and a lifetime discount on merch. And that's just for £1 a month. As the tiers go up, you get even more, including bonus episodes and exclusive uh, stationary merch. Um, and yeah, what have, what have some of our bonus episodes have included? Oh, completely unedited. Yes versions yes um because believe it or not this is the cleaned up <laughs> version you all get so if you have listened to episode 85 the flannan isles lighthouse mysteries and you thought the stuff we left in was wild you are in for a surprise because we released an unedited like completely unedited version of our recording of that episode to patreon at uh two pounds and up so if that's something yeah. you're interested in hearing interested in hearing just how crazy and stupid we really are <laughs> then yeah. uh check that out also we're hilarious so yeah obviously, obviously. <laughs> yeah um so we've done that oh we've done silly laws oh yes so some of the dumbest laws and crimes we could find mm -hmm. um fourth of july dummies that that was a that good was a good one, one. uh yeah. yeah just so yeah if that sounds like something you're interested in check out at patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder links are in the show notes the website everywhere wherever you prefer there are, if you're listening um, on in the web player there's a little link you can Clicky, clicky, clicky. <laughs> so, yeah. so, yeah. But yeah, so thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with all kinds of stuff. And we'll we'll be all over the place, every place this month. So just, you know, yeah. keep, your, keep your ears open. Yeah, we'll uh, see yep. you then. Bye. Bye.